So if you are here and this is your first time or your first year or your first moment of being in church here, just know that this is why we pray. Hallelujah. Because it's a core, what do you call it? Uh, pastors help me. Core values of the church, right? These are the things we hold to high esteem that will help us to achieve the vision and the mission that God has given to us. So prayer is fundamental. What next? What is it? the second one? Teaching of the word. Hallelujah. So we teach the word expressly. We explain the word. We remain in the context of scripture. We believe that the Bible is key to growth. Hallelujah. And for us to become equipped and empowered, the instrument by which God has given us is the word. Hallelujah. We make emphasis on discipleship. We make emphasis on worship and Christian fellowship. Hallelujah. So we meet at different times. We have cell meetings. We have prayer meetings. We have different teams meeting. And our different units and teams are components by which we, we disciple people in this church. Amen. So the word is primary. And, and I want to encourage you to be open to the word whenever you come to church. Because I can tell you that in this season and going forward, by the grace of God, God will keep bringing light to us. Even as we go into the new year, it's a new year that God is opening our eyes to the light of his word. Light has to do with understanding the word. And there must be a shift to an understanding you already have. The word of God will come to confront the knowledge or to improve or to give you more clearer view of the knowledge you already have. Now, truth does not change. Hallelujah. But our understanding and disposition towards truth will change. Because we grow and the word remains permanent. Hallelujah. So for you to actually be able to receive the blessings of the word, there's need for, for endurance. Hallelujah. First Timothy, this is not my message, but First Timothy, Second Timothy rather, chapter 4. Verse 1, quickly before we go into what we have by the grace of God. It's very important that I lay this foundation so that you know why we do the things we do here. Yes. So, First Timothy chapter 4, I read from verse 1. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. This is what we do with the word. Hallelujah. We do what? We convince. We rebuke. We exhort with all long suffering and what? And doctrine and teaching. So when you come here, what we do is that by the grace of God, we convince you through the word that Jesus Christ is Lord. We convince you in the truth. We rebuke. Rebuke has to do with bringing you back to order by the word. We exhort, we encourage you by the word. With long suffering and teaching. Hallelujah. Verse 3 says, For the time will come, is a prophecy. Amen. Now, let me tell you something about prophecy, either negative or positive. It will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. And the fulfillment will depend on where you stand. It says, for time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Say, I cannot be this kind of people. Hallelujah. For time will come that they 
The devil world will not endure sound doctrine, which means that the capacity to, to appreciate and apply sound doctrine, there must be endurance. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves, teach us. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to portray here is that we need endurance. To persevere, we need to endure in the word. We need to endure. So what I want you to pray at this moment is before we even go detail into what we have today, say, Lord, I receive the ability to listen to your word. I receive understanding in your word. I receive light. I receive understanding. I am humble to receive your word. And I'm humble enough to apply your word. And I'm humble enough, Lord, to receive instruction from you. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Now, continuation from where we stopped from last week. The blessings in what? In giving and receiving. Hallelujah. And in case you are here for the first time, I need to just make some recap of what we talked about last week. Firstly, we discussed the nature of Christian giving. What Christian giving is. And then we established that our giving and how we give must reflect our nature as the children of God. Hallelujah. Week before last, we look at the nature of God and we establish that God is a giving God, that his nature is generosity. So, and then we also agreed or we look into the word last time and we saw that we are his children. Therefore, we should act according to his nature because his seed lives in us. So, our own nature as well is generosity, is graciousness. And we also said last week that as Christians, we give cheerfully. That means we give with a joyful heart. The attitude of our giving is out of gladness. Not out of obligation. Not out of, you know, not out of force, but with cheerfulness. Hallelujah. So we give cheerfully, liberally, not as a condition to receive something from men or, or from God. And I remember so much emphasis I made and I keep on making is that we don't give to receive from God. Hallelujah. And, and I know that it confronts a lot of our understanding, but we have to, to be honest. We have to be very, very uh, sincere with the word. We have to be very intentional about looking for truth. Hallelujah. And if I, I challenge you to go back and study, amen, I challenge you to go back and study the word of God and see if these things are true. Here we tell you the truth and we expect that you, we, 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 we don't take you as a fool. Hallelujah. Standing before you here, I don't take you as a fool. I know you are intelligent enough. I know you are smart enough. You are intellectuals. This is a student environment. We have doctors, professors in our midst. So I can't stand here with my little understanding of even English language to lie to you. Amen. I can't, you know, you are too smart for me to manipulate you. Right? So what I'm expecting from you is that whatever you receive, go back and make a study. Amen? Any way you are taught and you don't have the ability to question what they are teaching you, there's a problem. There's a problem. That's manipulation. Hallelujah. So every single thing we say here, you are at liberty to go and study to see if it is true. And even when you don't understand, come back and ask questions and say, this is what I see. And the intent is for clarity and understanding that you will be edified. Hallelujah. Now, this is the kind of believers that we want to raise in this generation. 
Amen. These are the kind of believers that will turn the world upside down. Hallelujah. So, we says when we sow bountifully, or rather, I said, as Christians, we give cheerfully, liberally, as not like as a condition to receive something from men or from God, but to meet the needs of others as an act of worship and obedience to the gospel. And we also mentioned last time that when we sow bountifully, and we saw what it means to sow last week. I don't want to go back to that. You can listen back to the message. We saw that when we sow bountifully, we reap praise worthy of our giving to God, not money. Amen? What we reap back is not material wealth. Hallelujah. So we reap praise and thanksgiving from others to God. This is very crucial. I know some people might be disappointed. Then why, why should I give then? If you can't see this as a reason to give. Then, I mean, there's a problem with your, with, your, with your worship. Your worship cannot be correct. Hallelujah. Because giving is worship. So, that means your giving is it's no longer worship, but a transaction. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business agreement. It's a contract you sign with God. When I do this, you do that. Hallelujah. But our God is greater than that. He has already given us everything. In fact, God has smart our giving. Amen? You cannot give... God has set a standard that nobody can meet. So you can't decrease the dealings of God in your life based on your giving to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, when we so bountifully, we praise to God. So today, by the special grace of God, we'll be looking at who should a Christian give to. Hallelujah. Who should a Christian give to? Should a Christian give? Yes, we saw that we should give. We must give. Who should we give to? Now, to answer this question briefly, there are some important things I want us to know, some precaution as we go into this, you know, this, 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 this list of people we should give to, you know. I want to establish as a precaution that giving is a culture or a tradition of the Christian faith. Giving his word is a culture and a tradition of the Christian faith, of our kingdom, of, of God's kingdom. That means the kingdom we belong to. In your country, you have a culture. You know, in your, in your in where you come from, there's a culture, there's a tradition. There's something that is a norm, right? So also in this kingdom, giving is a norm, it's a culture. There's nothing special. You know, it's, it's what we should do by nature. Because even what brought us to faith is given. God gave us Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Free. Even while we don't deserve it, he gave us himself. So giving is a, is a culture here. Giving is a norm. should be a tradition. It's what you practice. So if you don't practice giving, it simply means that you are not living as a kingdom citizen. It simply means that you are, not, you are not living the culture of this kingdom. It simply means that you have not allowed the civilization of this kingdom to have an influence in your life. Because there in you is the ability to give. There in you is the seat of God. God himself dwells in you. So he promises you, he, he, he gives you the ability, the grace to give. So giving should be a standard practice in this kingdom. Now, the Bible, second thing, the precaution that I want us to establish before we go into this again is that the Bible is not a book for financial empowerment. Hallelujah. 
the Bible is not a book. This book you're saying, right? You can use it to teach anything you want to teach in this life. But that's not the purpose of it. This Bible can say anything you want it to say. We can try. Do you know that even some arm robbers, if you want to go and still read some scriptures to motivate them to go and do it. Amen? You don't use the Bible to back up your point. Hallelujah. Have you had somebody talking and say, ah, let me get some scriptures to back up what I'm saying. No, 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 no. You don't back up your point with the scriptures. Amen? The scripture has its own way of interpretation and meaning and explanation. So you don't use the Bible to back up what you are saying. Rather, what you are saying should back up what the Bible is saying. Do you understand what I said? Whatever idea you have should be, should be in agreement with the truth of the scriptures. Not that you are using the scripture to back up whatever nonsensical idea you have in your mind. Because let me tell you, the Bible can say anything you want it to say. So this book has an interpretation. And its purpose for us is not for financial empowerment. Hallelujah. You can read Luke chapter 25, verse 24 to 27. Is it right, scripture? Luke 24. Luke 24, uh, Luke 24, 25. Where Jesus, you know, began to explain to them things concerning himself. He read the, ten, the, 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 the Old Testament scriptures, as we call it, the Old Testament. And every explanation he was given are things concerning himself, which means the scriptures is aimed at explaining Christ. That is the purpose for the scriptures. Hallelujah. All foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. That is all the prophetic books in the scriptures. Next verse quickly. It says, Ought not that the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And look at what Jesus began to do. He began explaining to them, verse 20, 27. And beginning at Moses, the books of Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So the scripture is about Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible is a book that explains Christ from Genesis to Revelation. And then, you know, we see also that the scripture is for equipping the saints. You know, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Stipulates it as an instrument for our training, our training in what? In the faith. It's given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, rest, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hallelujah. So it's not a textbook for how to make money. Because I said last week, the richest people in the world, some of them have never, they don't even respect the Bible. Hallelujah. They don't even have, you know, they don't even have respect for God. Talk more of his word. Hallelujah. So we don't peddle with the word of God. That's a precaution that I want us to establish. We don't peddle with the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 17. We don't peddle the word of God. We don't peddle the word of God. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from who? From God. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. What does it mean to peddle? The word peddling is from the Greek word kapelio, which means to make a threat of selling and buying. Hallelujah. Now let me see. We will speak Greek here. Amen. 
And the essence is to explain the scripture. It's not to prove to you, I'm not a Greek person. Right? But the Bible is in Greek, so we have to learn what it means so that we can better explain it. That's why we go there. Hallelujah. So, the word is K-A-P-L-E-U-O, which means to make a thread of, to act, to act as an unscrupulous merchant that is a huckster who profits by peddling the word of God for personal gain. Hallelujah. So, we don't peddle the word of God. We don't use the word of God for business purpose. We don't preach the word of God for personal gain. Hallelujah. Now, there's a way I can motivate you to give for my personal gain and you will give. People have asked who? We speak in the sight of God, yes? For we are not as so many, which means that there are other people that peddle the word of God. There are so many people that they are peddling the word of God for personal gain. Give me this same scripture on the TPT for us to have a better explanation of this word peddling. TPT, yes, and you can also put Amplify by its side. Second Corinthians 2.17. Yes. For unlike so many, we are not peddlers of God's word. Who watered down? This is what they do. What did they do? They watered down the message. They make light the message. We are those sent from God with pure motives. Hallelujah. Our motives are pure. In teaching you about giving, the motive is pure. Hallelujah. So if you feel attacked, I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking an ideology. Amen? I'm attacking an understanding that is not scriptural. For we are like many, acting like mad, for we are not like many, acting like merchants, peddling God's word, shortchanging and adulterating. This is how they do. They adulterate God's message in order to, you know, get personal gain. But from pure, uncompromised motive, as commissioned and sent from God, we speak his message in Christ. In, in Christ in the sight of God. Hallelujah. So I want you to have this precaution at the back of your mind as you go into what we explain. Because when we begin to teach about giving, the first thing that rises up in people's mind, ah, they've come again. Because we've been partly taught, we've been, have, we've had impressions that, you know, people have duped some of us We've practiced wrong things in the past. Hallelujah. So, ex- let's look at some examples of giving in the scriptures. Let's look at some examples first. Example of giving in the Bible. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 3. Give me NLT. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 3 NLT. Example of giving in the Bible. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus, Jesus, this is Jesus' ministry, right? He took his 12 disciples with him. Verse 2. Along with some women. So when people say that women are not, tell them that women are part of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Along with, with some women he had healed from whom he cast out evil spirits. Among them were Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing. Now look at what they were doing. What the women were doing. The women were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Hallelujah. 
Jesus, who is God, needed contribution in order to support the ministry that he is here on earth to do. Hallelujah. So they were given, and is there any clouds? If you read further verses, they didn't give with the intention that they want something to be given back to them. Hallelujah. What are they doing? They are supporting the ministry of Jesus Christ. So the salvation, the dying of Jesus Christ on the cross, there was a support to read. Though. Finances went into it. Hallelujah. The mission of Christ needed support. Hallelujah. Yes. So Mark chapter 12 verse 41. Let's look at another one here. Mark chapter 12 verse 41 to 44. Mark 41, 44. Mark, Mark 12, 41, 44. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. This is another scenario, right? And watch as the crowds drop in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. 43. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part. Look at what what they gave. They gave a fraction of what? Of their surplus. And they were bragging that they've given. But they only gave a a tiny portion of their surplus. But But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Hallelujah. And Jesus made reference that her giving is much more valuable than even what they gave. Hallelujah. So, did she give so that she would be blessed? Doesn't say so. If not, it could have been, the reason would have been there for us to see. Hallelujah. So, these women gave their all without expecting anything in return. They gave their, their all. They gave their, their all, you know. I don't want to go into details of talking about the others, but just short to us. Now let's see the practice of the early church in giving. Acts chapter 2 verse 44. Quickly. Acts chapter 2 verse 44. Let's look at how the early church practiced giving. Let's see how they practiced giving. Acts chapter 2 verse number 44 to 47. It says, and all the believers met together in one place. And what did they do? They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, do you give to someone in need so that the person can give you back? One person is in need, another one supplies a need. That's what is happening here. They worship together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Look at the effect in verse 7. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Hallelujah. They gave generously. They gave, they gave, they shared together. Chapter 4 of that same Acts, verse 32. Quickly. Chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 32. 35. We see another situation. And verse 44. Chapter 4, rather, verse 32. Chapter 4, verse 32. Yes. Chapter 4, verse 32. Chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt what was. And they, f- yes, please go back to 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. 
Hallelujah. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's blessings was upon them all. Verse 44, 34 rather. There were no needy people among them. Imagine that in that church, there were no needy people. No one was in need among them because, because they did what? Because those who own land or houses would sell them. And what would they do? And bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. King James says that they were laid at the apostles' feet. Hallelujah. Now, laying at the apostles' feet simply means gathering what they have and giving it to be under the authority of the apostles for distribution. Hallelujah. So, this is what they practice. So, they give all to meet the needs of others without expecting anything in return. The giving as taught by Jesus Christ and the practice by the early church is not a transactional giving but a gracious kind of giving that they give. Hallelujah. So, we must practice what the early church practiced. For something to become a practice for us as believers, first of all, we must see where did Jesus Christ taught or where did he teach rather? Where did he teach it in the, in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? How did the apostle practice it? Amen. And then we follow suit in the application of that in our own lives. But most of the things we do today, we don't even see Jesus teach them. Hallelujah. But then we bring out issues and then we begin to argue and discuss why. Well, shouldn't give tithe, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. But we don't go to scriptures to see how it is taught and how it is what? How it is practiced. Hallelujah. Who do we give to? Number one, we give to the brethren in the church. Amen. Who do we give to? We give to brethren where? In the church. Hallelujah. We give to brethren in the church who are in need. That is the first category of people we give to. We give to brethren who are in church. Your brothers and sisters who are in faith are the first category of people you must consider in your giving. Hallelujah. James chapter 2 verse 14. Please, I want you to be fast so that we can run within the time specified. James 2 verse 14 to 17. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace. Oh, brother, the Lord bless you. His countenance shines upon you and give you peace. Be warm and be filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for body what does, what does it profit? Hallelujah. How is that one a blessing? Thus also, faith by itself. Thus also, faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. Hallelujah. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, quickly. First John chapter 3, verse 17. So as we are saying these things, be examining yourself and seeing the application of this to you yourself. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. But who, whoever has this world's goods, it means that when you have resources, it means that when you have money, you have whatever resources, if you have this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Hallelujah. How can you say for certain that the love of God dwells in your heart if you see your brother in faith in need and you shut up your eyes? against his need and you are at the capacity and with the resources to help 
my little children, let us not love in words. You know, we can type very beautiful messages. We can speak very affirmative words. But when it comes to supporting our words with action, there's a problem. Hallelujah. So, our love must not be in words alone or in tongue, but in what? In deed and in truth. Jesus Christ literally come and died for you. Hallelujah. He was slain, right, before the foundation of the world as an idea in God's heart. But he didn't end there. He came literally and he died. Hallelujah. So your love work must be, whatever intent, whatever profession of love you do must be supported with actions that comes with it. Hallelujah. So we give to brethren who I need. You can't neglect those in your own household believers and then you go looking for people out there. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 and 10. Quickly, please help me. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. What will you reap? Amen? What will you reap? Let us not grow weary, right? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of where? Of the household of faith. Especially, there's a, spe- there's a special treatment to those that are of the household of faith. Hallelujah. As much as you have the ability, therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all. But there's a category that says, especially to who? To those who are of the household of faith. So your brothers and sisters in Christ are of a priority. Hallelujah. Are of a priority. Does that mean that if I see an unbeliever and I see my brother in Christ as in need and I have an opportunity to help one, who will I help? That is how bias it is. Hallelujah. Especially of the household of faith. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16, Amplified. Hebrews 13 verse 16. Hebrews 13 verse 16. They amplified. Do not neglect to do good to, to contribute to the needy of the church as an expression of what? Of fellowship. Hallelujah. So doing good and contributing to the need of one another is an expression of what? Of fellowship. Fellowship is what? Sharing. Hallelujah. You don't only share Bible scriptures. You don't only share prayer points. You share, you share things. Material things. Oh, brother, I'm praying for you. But you have money in your pocket. This money I need. Hallelujah. Amen. I've told you before here. That when you pray, what happens is that God makes people give you. Our needs are made by God through men. Hallelujah. So if someone comes to you and crying, I need food. My brother, the opportunity has come for you to become an answered prayer. There's no need for let's hold hands and pray. You have food in your house, give him food to eat. Hallelujah. So do not neglect to do good to contribute to the need of, of the church as an expression of fellowship. For such sacrifices are always what? What are they? Yeah, pleasing to God. Such sacrifices are things that makes God glad with our conduct. Hallelujah. It's pleasing to God. It's a sacrifice. It's pleasing to God. 
Romans chapter 12 verse 13. Give me TPT. Romans 12 13. TPT. Romans 12 13. TPT. Just bear with me. I'm specifically about versions because they give me rendition I want to explain. It says, take a constant interest in the needs of who? Of God's beloved people. And what do you do? You respond by what? By helping them. Take constant interest. My interest is to see what is my sister's need. What is my brother's need? And do what? And respond. Not to How do you respond? By helping them. Hallelujah. The response is there by doing what? By praying for them. By fasting on their behalf. By what? By helping them. And eagerly welcome those, eagerly welcome people as guests in your home. There are people that, ah, when you just tell them you want to visit them, they will tell you, Lila, I'm not around. Hallelujah. Some people have promised to invite me to the house. <laughs> I'm not attacking you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we must be willing to, to share freely with the resources God has blessed us with. Hallelujah. That is, that, is, that is what shows our fellowship. We share in even our material possessions. Hallelujah. That is what even proves that we are God's children. That is what shows the evidence of our profession of faith. We can't just neglect each other. Now, let's look at where Jesus Christ was talking. Matthew 25, verse 31. Give me a New King James Version so that you'll be faster. Matthew 25. I'll just read through. Matthew 25 from verse 31. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man will come, comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he sits on the throne of his glory. And all nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Next verse. And he will set the sheep on his, on his right hand, put the goats on his left. Yes, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Look at the next comment. It says, for I was hungry. And what happened? You prayed for me. I was thirsty. And you lay hand on me. Is that what he's saying? I was hungry, you what? You gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. And they ask, I was naked and you clothed me. Yes, that's why we have cloth bank. We have food bank. And we have other banks that we can have. I was sick. And you what? And you visited me. I was in prison and you come to, to me. Verse 37. Then he, the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you and see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drinks? That's it. When did you see, when did we see you stranger, a stranger, and take you in or naked and clothe you? 39. Oh, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Now, this is Jesus' response. What does he say? And the king will answer and say to them, As shortly I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Hallelujah. So if we do it to a brother in Christ, who Christ lives in him, that's what makes him, right, part of this family, 
what you're doing is that you're doing it to God. Hallelujah. So our giving to one another is actually giving to God. So do you want to give to God? Look for a brother and sister in Christ and give. Hallelujah. Who is in need and give. Amen. 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 All through New Testament scriptures, we will not see anywhere recorded that the believers give to those on the street outside the body of Christ except in the church. You can go and check the New Testament and see. If you find it, bring to me, I will see, and maybe I will shift my agreement. So when you see people go to the street and give and they snap pictures, it's not actually, it's not actually, right? It's not actually giving that the Bible teaches. Amen? If we've served all our needs in church, hmm, and nobody as this early church is that none of them had need, then now, let's go out and give to people outside. But you can't neglect the people in the faith and go out that you want to go and give outside. That is anti-scripture. Hallelujah. That is anti-scripture. Where does this begin? It begins in the household of faith. Hallelujah. So when the brother or sister is poor, what do you do? You give to him or you give to her, not to prophesy. Not to, not to even lay, not to pray. We are not saying prophecy is bad. We are not saying praying is bad. But the appropriate thing to do is to give. Hallelujah. Is to give. Or at least you should know where to give, where you can get his needs met. So by the grace of God, no one should lack the basic necessity of life in our church. Amen? Nobody should do what? Should lack the basic necessity of life in the church, in any CF. If you are here and then you lack the basic necessity of life, then the church has failed in its responsibility to one another. Which you are part of it. The pastors are part of it. All of us are part of the church. Hallelujah. Now your school fees is not basic need. Amen. Let me make it clear. New iPhone is not a basic need. It's not a basic need. Basic need is clear. It's a need that you need to survive. Hallelujah. So you should be able to differentiate between what your wants is and what your needs are. Your school fees is not a basic need. You can live without paying school fees. You can, in fact, some of you are here. Your coming here is not even, it's not God that brought you here. Hallelujah. The reason why some of you are struggling here is because you do not hear God. That is as clear as it is. Hmm? You make a decision out of, out of impulse. You didn't listen to God leading you. And whatever you decide to do, let me tell you, God is not obligated to sponsor that. God will not sponsor your ego. Right? And your rebellion. God will, also sponsor, God will only sponsor what he initiated for the expansion of his kingdom. So if you are here and you know deeply that it's a rebellion that brought you here, you repent. God can show mercy. Hallelujah. God himself is mercy. Hallelujah. I didn't say that every suffering you suffer here is because you rebel. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Hallelujah. Don't hear what I did not say. Caution. Amen. Hallelujah. So, there's another caution here. We are never to live off on others. Even though we say that we should give to those in need, particularly in the church, but there seems to be some category of people that are lazy. Amen? Now, let's look at the prescription for this kind of people. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. If you are here, and you say people don't want to help, there are some people that if, if I catch you giving to them, they are brothers in the faith, but as your pastor, I command in the name of God that you don't give them. 
Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Give me, please. Okay, give me TPT so that it will be sweet. TPT. Yes. It says, for when we, when we were with you, we instructed, these are instructions, we instructed you with these words. Anyone who does not want to work for a living should go what? Should go hungry. Is there any ambiguity in understanding this? Is it? Do we need a Greek word to understand this? We don't need, right? Anyone who does not want to work, the key word is here, he does not want to work. Not that he, he doesn't have, not that he, he, he lacks the ability to work. Not that he wants to work, but there's no job. Amen? Not that he wants to, not that he doesn't have the capacity to work. Anyone who does not want to work for a living should go hungry. Don't give him food. That is what it means. Don't give to him. Verse 11. Now we hear rumors, and I, can, I know that that is true here in the church here. We hear rumors that some of you are being lazy and neglecting to work. That these people are not, what? Neglecting to work. That these people are not busy, but they are what? They are busy bodies. Moving from one house to another, asking for help from brothers in the Lord. So with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you in this church, we order them to what? To go back to work in orderly fashion and exhort them to end their own living. Hallelujah. To end their own living. The next verse, brothers and sisters, don't ever grow weary in doing what is right. Verse 14. Take special note of those people if there's anybody here. Come and tell us that the, this person has been going around collecting from this person, collecting from this, and he's not willing to work. Take special note of anyone who don't obey what we have written and stay away from them. What do you do? Stay away from them so that they will be ashamed and get torn around. Why do you stay away from them? Is it because you don't want to give? Why? So that the sense will enter them and they will turn around and do it and change. Yet, don't regard them as enemies. Ah, uh-uh. ah. They are not unbelievers now, right? Don't regard them as enemies, but caution them as what? As fellow believers. So there's love. So refusing to give you is love. Hallelujah. Is there a balance? Do we have a balance on this matter? Good. Now let's move to the next point. Who should we give to? We give, secondly, to the church for God's work. Amen? We give to who? We give to the church for God's work. I mean, I mean the church, I mean, this is a church. Any save is a church. We give to church for God's work. 2 Second Kings chapter 12, verse 1 to 16. Quickly, let me read it. I have to, because if I would just read this and we close, that's all. Then we'll continue. 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 1. New King James. 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 1 to 16. 2 Kings chapter 12. Verses 1 to 16, NKJV. Second Kings. Yes. Look at what happened here. In the seventh year of King Jehu Jehoash, became when, okay? Yes. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebia of Beersheba. Verse 2, quickly. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. All these in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Verse 3, quickly. 
but the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. The next verse, verse 4. And Joash said to the priest, All the money, ah, all the money of the dedicated gifts that were are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census. Census money, yeah. Each man's assessment money. And all the money that a man proposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord. Let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever the, the, the dilapidation is found. Now it was so, by the 23rd year of King Joash, that the priest had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Joash called the Joida, the priest, and other priests, and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the, of the temple? Now, therefore, do not take money from your con- constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages of the temple. So this, instead of, you know, collecting the money for the work of God, what were they doing? They were collecting it for their personal needs. Now, therefore, do not take money from your constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they will neither receive money from the people nor repair the damages, eh? nor repair the damages of the temple. Okay. Then Joy that the priest took a chest board, bought a hole in it. That's an offering box, like the one we have behind there. On the right side, as one comes into the house of the Lord, and the priest who kept the door put their all put their all the money brought into the house of the Lord, right? So it was whenever, so it was whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, that the king's scribes and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money, ushers, ushers, they do what? They counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Right? Yes. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters. Who did they give it to? To the carpenters, the builders, who work on the house of the Lord. Verse 12. And the messengers and the stone cutters for buying timber and hewing stones to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, and for all that was paid out out to repair the temple. However, they were not made for the house of the Lord, basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any articles of God. There was no keyboard, there was no better trumpet, there was no better speakers, there was no good electricity in that temple. Any articles of gold was articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. Verse 14, but they gave that to the workmen and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Verse 15, moreover, they did not require an account from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to, to be paid to the workmen for they dealt faithfully what are you doing with our money in this church you know you keep giving off we don't know what you're doing they didn't ask account because they, they, they know them it's their responsibility they dealt faithfully what with the amount that were given to them verse 16 the last verse here the money from the trespass offering and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the lord it belonged to what to the priest so the priests have their own allocation and the repair of the house of God has its own allocation. Hallelujah. So did God spoke a word and money fell from heaven for the repair of the temple? Manna fell from heaven. Hallelujah. But money came from people to build the temple. Amen. This wisdom is enough to tell you that you have a responsibility. See, this work, right, can only be done by money. I mean, it moves by money. It thrives by money. Hallelujah. 
1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1 TPT 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 Everything we say here must be scriptures that's why I don't want to just say much but to read scriptures for us to see with our eyes 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 TPT Dear friends let me give clear let me let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel No 16 verse 1 now concerning the collection I want you to take for God's holy believers in Jerusalem who are in need. I want you to follow the same instruction I gave to the churches of Galatia. What is the instruction? Every word. Every word. Do you see where Sunday offering comes from? Every word. First day of the week is what? It's a Sunday. Every Sunday, each of you make a generous offering by taking a portion of whatever God has blessed you with and place it in for safekeeping that is from, from your house. What do you do? You remove your offering, you put it aside. It's not when they come to church and you know, I remember, oh, we really need to give. So if you are here and this is your first time or your first year or your first moment of being in church here, just know that this is why we pray. Whenever you have income, what do you do? You plan deliberately that this is portion is forgiven. Hallelujah. This is Christianity. Amen? This is Christianity. You must always set aside some portion of money specifically for church giving. Don't come to church and say, oh, I forgot to bring offering. Have you had that statement before? That only reflects your level of understanding of the faith. Amen? Every day they say offering time, you now remember, ah, so they give offering in church. To the glory of God here. We don't used to display Sunday clothes. You dance and you come and drop. So you know that there will be disgrace if you don't come out. So you have to come with something. Hallelujah. So your giving must not, whenever you have income, what do you do? You plan deliberately that this is portion is forgiven. Hallelujah. This is Christianity. Amen. This is Christianity. You emotionally plan before the week. That you come and then you give. That there's something like giving. So you deliberately plan from the income you have. This is the portion I'm going to give for the church. Hallelujah. Specifically, this is the portion I want to give for the church. The church of God has many needs. Many things that must be done, but through finance. Hallelujah. So when we pray, oh Lord, we need this, we need that. What we are saying is, oh Lord, touch their hearts. That they will be willing to give for this work. Because this microphone is using battery. Hallelujah. And money needs to buy battery. It's not fasting and prayer that sustains it. Amen. The buses you use sometimes on Sundays to come to church is not free will donation the drivers are doing. By the grace of God, they are not even believers. Before you come, they have already given us price. Hallelujah. So every single thing you see here is money that is speaking. Amen. It's not prayers that is speaking. It's money. It's money. Hallelujah. So I'm trying to make it as simple as practical as possible. You know that you have a responsibility to support to the church a duty as a believer that should come from a place of an understanding of your faith that this is worship to God. This is actually a service you render as a result of your status as a child of God. I wrote something here. I says the gospel is free. But money is needed to communicate it. Hallelujah. Money is needed to do what? To communicate it. 
Even Jesus Christ needed money for, mission, for his mission on earth. We saw it earlier on, right? That there were some women that were supporting the ministry of Jesus and his disciples. Because these people left their career. Jesus left carpentry. The disciples left fishing. Dr. Luke left his, his medicinal practice, right? And many other occupations they had for one purpose. And then their needs were met by people. Amen? Jesus will have performed miracles to feed them. But miracle is not the ideal way. Listen, the believer is not meant to live by miracle. Amen? Miracle is for unbelievers to see, to believe. There are principles that have been given for us to live our lives. Hallelujah. So don't be a miracle-driven Christian. You're not an unbeliever. You believe not because of a miracle. You believe because you, you, you have faith in the word of God. Hallelujah. So, Jesus will have performed. He fed 5,000, but his needs needs to be met. And his people that met his needs. Hallelujah. In fact, Jesus had a treasurer in his ministry, Judas Iscariot, who was unfaithful with the resources. Hallelujah. What about Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man? Amen. The tomb Jesus died and resurrected was bought with money. If not, there wouldn't be a place for you to celebrate Easter. Oh, Jesus died. You know the gospel. You, you, we talk about the facts of the gospel. Jesus was born in the manger, of course. And then he suffered. He died on the cross. Not by car accident. He died on the cross, right? And then he was buried where? In a tomb. That tomb was a brand new tomb bought by a rich man called Joseph of Arimathea. It's in your Bible. Amen. So what, it was money that provided that facility for Jesus to die inside so that he can raise up again, rise up again so that you and I can have liberty in Christ. We can have salvation. Hallelujah. So this is very, very important that we note, right? Money does not fall from heaven. Hallelujah. Good. It is the obligation of every Christian to financially support the spread of the gospel. If you have not been faithful in giving to the church, know that you have been failing in your responsibility as a child of God, as a believer, as a Christian. Faithfully. Amen. You are not saying you should give what you don't have. We say faithfully. Be faithful with the resources that God has given to you. So we need money in church here. Amen. What I'm saying is church needs money to run. And you must know. We don't talk about this every day. If you look at the budget for last year, this year, what we spent this year, Pastor Chi just moved to Nigeria and came back and he was freeze. His eyes could not believe what he saw. We burned down the money in the church. We saw him getting lean, lean. It's not only wedding that's getting Pastor Chi the lean. It's because when you look at the account of the church, you know there's a body in his heart. <laughs> And this resource come from people. Come from you, come from me, come from everybody here. So you have a responsibility to contribute to this work. Hallelujah. So we give in different aspects. We have where we donate clothes, right? We have places we donate food items. And we have offerings every Sundays here in church. And by the grace of God, this coming year, New Year, on the 1st of January, is a culture here. We do make contribution annually, right? January 1st contribution. This is not to set part for you in 2023. You are not securing 2023 with your offering. 
is already secured in Christ, but you will give. Hallelujah. So we are not attaching any blessing. Say when you give, you've watered down every, every, 20, every obstacle will come in 2023. That's not what that giving means. It means there is a beginning of the year and the church needs money to start the year. That's what it means. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you to give cheerfully. Amen. Give bountifully. Amen. I want to, I want to, I want to challenge you, right? To give more than you used to give. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you to give double what you used to give with the ability that God has given you. Amen. Hallelujah. So we should know that it's our duty to give. Before I close, I must talk about this one, then we close. Because if I don't talk about it, then it will draw me back next week. There is no such thing as I'm giving in faith. I was telling pastors this one. You know, you give in faith so that your gift will work for you. Hallelujah. You've had that teaching before. And with due respect to people that I respect so much, I've been taught and I've also practiced this before. That I give and my offering will work for me. My seed will pave way for me. Hallelujah. There is no such thing as I'm giving in faith or having faith in my giving. Your faith cannot and should never be in your giving. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm sowing a seed so something can happen in my life. Our faith should not be on any offering but on Jesus Christ alone. Hallelujah. Your offering did not give you salvation and your offering cannot sustain you. Amen. So there's no any spiritual manipulation you do in this faith that will be outside what Christ has done for you. I use God and beg you on this matter. Hmm? Some of you used to come to me, sir, I want to sow a seed into your life. And when I collect the offer, I don't know when I should begin to explain to this person. You give me your money, I'll go and eat it in the Lord. And nothing will happen to you. See, in times of ignorance, there are some certain things that God permits because of our ignorance. But that is not the way it is. Hallelujah. You have all sufficiency in Christ. So you don't need to pay for any blessings you receive from God. Hallelujah. You don't make installment payment for your future. You give to secure the future of your children. You give to secure the job. You give to secure the interview. You give to secure everything in your life. You keep securing. How different are you from the men in the Old Testament era? Hallelujah. What is the implication of what Christ has done? You are making the work of grace invalid. That's what you're doing. You are invalidating everything Christ has done. You are saying what Christ has done, I don't believe in it. That's what you're doing. And sometimes we say, ah, he's working for me. You know, this thing is working for my brother. You are working in error. Hallelujah. You sow in hard currency. <laughs> so that you have a hard currency blessings. May God help your life. I'm attacking an ideology. It's not you. I'm not attacking your pastor back home. I'm not attacking any church. But me, myself, I was attacked by this kind of truth. So I've been delivered by this kind of truth. So I beg in the name of God. Don't teach it. Hallelujah. Whenever you have opportunity, don't teach it. Don't teach this kind of truth. This is not the truth of God's word. 
examine this and see if it's true. Hallelujah. May God give you understanding. In Jesus' name.